entre tambores va la luna solitaria fiesta de la Colombia in Indonesia is created and produced by the Embassy of Colombia in Indonesia with the main goal of discussing culture, trade, traditions and related topics between both countries. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Colombia in Indonesia. In the second season we are talking with Colombians living in Indonesia and today we are with Diego Higuera, a very special guest. We are once again recording from the um, island of Bali. So if you hear some birds and nice noises in the background, you know why, why that, that's happening. Um, Diego is an entrepreneur in the textile and furniture sector based in Bali, Indonesia. Diego, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Nicolas. Thank you very much for your time and for joining our podcast, our podcast today. Thank you for inviting me. So I would like to start by asking you, you left Colombia in 2007 with a plan to live in the U.S. And now, 14 years later, you're in Indonesia. How did this happen? Well, it's been a It's been a very interesting journey. Indeed, I left uh, in 2007, I went to US, and after a few years, I moved to China. And from there is how I started um, discovering Southeast Asia. I started traveling, I started knowing some countries, some cultures. And after a few years in China, and then I decided to move to uh, Indonesia, basically for, for the main reason was the pandemic. All right. Yeah. Uh, as you just mentioned, you moved to Indonesia right at the beginning of COVID-19. How different was Indonesia when you first arrived and how is it doing today? So let's say that I started coming to Indonesia four years ago. And first of all, I started coming as a tourist person because everybody was talking in that time to come to Indonesia. But and then um, because of my job in China, I had to come to some Southeast Asia countries and then including Indonesia, I came and I start looking around this country, also getting used to with the culture and the way to people do business. And when I arrived here for the pandemic was absolutely different. Um, I had a very particular story about my life when I arrived in Bali because I arrived the day the island was closing. And I arrived at 7 p.m. And they're supposed to close the island at midnight. And I was flying from Ho Chi Minh because I was on a business trip. And when I arrived, the immigration guy told me, uh, you know, we are closing the island, right? And I said, yeah, I feel like I'm a lucky person. And he said, yeah, you are one of the, the last foreigners who are allowed to enter. And when I just passed immigration, I started feeling like, These people um, start knowing what was the pandemic, but I came before from China. So in China was already um, a lot of noise about the, the virus. And, and here start everything closing earlier and then they start coming with more regulations and more uh, restrictions. So it was completely different as, as I saw before in Indonesia, especially Bali. And nowadays um, things have been improved a lot but we remain with some restrictions, which is okay in terms of controlling the, the spread of the virus and everything. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully in, in a couple of weeks, Indonesia is going to be back to normal and reopen again. So you are going to lose your title of one of the last foreigners coming into Bali. Yeah, that <laughs> I hope so. I hope more people can come here. This island needed indeed. Right. Uh, Diego, you 
came uh, three years ago and you already started your company before coming to Indonesia, Indonesia, right? But once you arrived here, you also registered your company here and started producing new new things. Uh, you started a, a new project since you started your life in Bali. I would like to ask you, how is the entrepreneurship uh, world in Indonesia? How was your experience as a Colombian person opening a, a new company in Indonesia? Challenging as any other um, entrepreneur life in, in any any other country. I would say Indonesia was uh, very... They welcome people here. They welcome foreigners. It's important to... Also know that uh, you have to follow some procedures and some regulations as any other country and, and any other foreigner who is trying to open in a company. We saw an opportunity um, back in time two years ago. And it was, the idea was there, but we had to uh, mature the idea to how to do it in Indonesia. And then when we came to do it, it was pandemic. So that's what makes things even harder for us. Right, yeah, I understand now. You told me that before uh, you first came to Indonesia as a tourist, the first time you came. And at that time, or, or maybe prior to that, you were working with a company that was developing some fabrics uh, from plastic bottles. And that was uh, a very interesting project you talked about. And But after that, you came to Indonesia as a tourist, and now you have your company here. What give you the idea to, to do that change, to switch from tourist to resident and have your company in here? What what inspired you to do that? We have some similarities between Indonesia and Colombia. I would say um, the way people live their life and also the way people do business here. And there are some advantages that you can find in this country that perhaps you cannot find in, in any other Southeast Asia country. I would say... Um, The knowledge of the people in my industry, they are really good. They are really good uh, in furniture. The craftsmanship here is, uh, it's been for many, many decades. So I, I believe these people have been increasing year through year, the, the knowledge. So I wanted to be part of that. But I wanted to be part of that with something different. Not with the same traditional industry, like people are doing furniture, um, They have to cut the tree and then they have to start the whole process getting the, the sources from, from, from nature. I wanted to do something with the same skills but with something that has been created already. And that's what we've been doing. We are creating products that doesn't require to get sources from, from nature, not trees. And we are using also some other materials like plastic. So we are in, unfortunately, Indonesia is the second most polluted co country in the world. And when you have a problem, you need to find solutions. So I think this is the role we are playing right now. We, we want to give some, uh, some support to this uh, problem. We want to help with the solution. Thank you. We all appreciate what you're doing. Uh, it's very important to try and help however we can and keep this country and the world clean and learn to recycle, reuse and, and not waste anything. So, uh, Diego, you are from Duitama in Boyacá, in Colombia. Is there any ties uh, with your business and Duitama? Is anything that connect both businesses, like your experience in Duitama and your current business? Yeah, thank you, Nicolás, for that question. Yeah, there is, um, there is something beautiful for me connected with my hometown, with Duitama. 
When I was doing my university, I was working with a cousin and he produces some products with wood. Uh, and the wood that we were using was a pine wood. This pine wood gives a really beautiful smell when you open it. And also it has very particular patterns and structures that it creates um, a very nice style and very nice appearance when, when the product is finished. So when I came to Indonesia and then I started getting used to the, um, the type of wood that they were using, they used thick wood, swar, and some other wood. And they have this kind of similarity of the, 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 the patterns that I had when I was working in Duitama. And it reminds me a lot of my, my time when I was working in a study at the same time. And yeah, this is a beautiful connection there. And, but now it's, um, you know, it's a different type of uh, age of my life. So it's good to be connected with my, with my past in terms of uh, my memories, my experience. Uh, but now it's uh, another challenge here in Indonesia. Right. Now, now that we are talking more on a personal note and we've talked about your, your roots and where you're from, I would look, also like to uh, mention here that you told me that your wife is from Russia. Um, has she, in her time with you, picked up any c customs or traditions from Colombia? I guess she will say, claro, that she has picked many slangs that we have in Colombia. And some of them, they are very um, connected with my, uh, my hometown, my province, Boyacá, like Sumerse. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she has um, got the chance to be in Colombia a few times. And every time we go, she's trying to get more used to my culture and then absorb the same way I do with the Russian culture, which is very interesting culture, I would say. Uh, so the, we are trying to share as well. Uh, that's kind of part of our life, our path. We decide to be together and she comes from, from West Siberia and I come from Duitama, Boyaca. What's the role that she plays in, in the project that you both have, the, the business that you started in Indonesia? She is, um, she does a very important part, I would say. She designs with me. She is the content creator. She is a very creative person. Um, she helps with all the part of like visual content and how to be more connected with the audience that we want to work with. And she's a photographer, very talented. And I guess this is the part that I don't have. My part is more like towards business and networking and production and operation, but my balance is her. Like she does the things that- She's the, the creative side. Correct. Things that I, I, I don't have. All right, Diego. Uh, there is something that uh, I would like to ask you going back to your business and Um, because I, I think it's very interesting if you can share with us how was your experience, how your business was born in Indonesia, uh, what was the process to, to open your company here, what challenges did you face, and, and share with us a little bit more of what, what's the experience of creating a company in Indonesia. Thank you, Nicolas. Everything started in Jepara. In Jepara is in central Java. It's, I would say it's the hub of furniture in Indonesia. And... The majority of my customers are there. They, they buy the, the textiles from me. And I decided to um, 
start digging about how to open a company, what kind of um, documentation, um, going to the government. And I was working with some agents as well who helped me to establish the, the first layer of the company, the foundation. And step by step, we were um, doing the applications and then all the paperwork. Um, it's important. You need to follow all the procedures that this country has. So we went through through them, and finally we got our license. Uh, we got, we got our our tax ID, and then all the paperwork to start operating. And then we start looking for a place where to start the the factory, the operation, the, where we can concentrate of our efforts. So yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's been the process. Um, just part of um, studying and asking, and yeah, I went many times to Jakarta to to find answers from questions that you always have. Alright, you you started a very challenging business in Indonesia. Indonesia has a lot of of uh, competitors regarding um, furniture. They are very big on furniture here. So uh, I would like to ask you what's the added value that your company gives to the market and how you face the competition from these many uh, other players in the sector in Indonesia? That's a great question, Nicolas. Um, I would say it hasn't been easy. Honestly, as you said, there are very big companies here who have been doing furniture for a long time. But what we do is, is different. We are challenging the industry. We are trying to tell people that uh, furniture can be made in different way. And since we have been creating so much furniture for a long time, for many years, I think it's time to upcycle some, some things that we have created. And these companies are not doing it. They are just uh, focused on producing. We want to produce in first of all, collect what has, has been created and redesign, bring a new concept and add some other materials like plastic in our recycled fabric and get something uh, totally different. Can you describe for, for me and for the audience uh, what kind of products are your most popular products? That, what, what things have you done like using different materials? Like what was your most popular product and how is it made? We have some uh, products. Mm. We basically want to connect with, uh, we connect with companies who have a special um, specifications. So we, pre we produce for them. So the idea comes from them. We, we find a way how to connect with the raw materials like plastic, recycled wood, um, and recycled plastic fabric. And we create some chairs. We create some um, um, cushions, special cushions, because the cushions have to be filled with uh, Dacron. So we have to find also very sustainable filling. So we have some recycled acrons, some recycled uh, cotton. Um, basically, we have some chairs, tables, um, some home decor products. But as I said, it's basically on based on the customer requirement. So whatever they need, we produce for them. Diego, you were mentioning that when you started going to Jakarta and Jepara and all these places, you started finding answers to the question that you questions that you were making to yourself. And you share with us what questions were you doing to yourself and what were the answers that you find? Sure, because my main business is textiles. These textiles have to be imported from China to Indonesia. 
for this product, you need a special license. It's not the normal license that you have to import to export. This requires a special import license, which it was very challenging to get it because I had to go, for example, to the Minister of Trade, get information from them, get some paperwork, um, documentation from my company, from the potential customers that they wanted to buy the product. You have to do a forecast. You have to tell them exactly what kind of fabric, with what composition and what edges code. It's basically very technical information, but those are those were the questions that I had it in that time that I couldn't find any information from anyone. Or perhaps um, the I was looking in the wrong place. So I went to the source, which is in Jakarta. All the governmental institutions are there, and then that's how I got my information. All right, and... Um You are a very international person. You were telling us that you've been to China, living in China. You were doing a business trip in Vietnam. And you came to Indonesia a couple of, time, a couple of times for tourism, but you decided to come here once COVID started. Why did you choose Indonesia and specifically Bali to do that? Um, I'll tell you why. And I kind of like, sounds my voice like, my voice, like I'm laughing because um, I was in Ho Chi Minh on business trip. My wife was in China. And the pandemic was happening in China. When we heard that Wuhan was having a virus, uh, I've been in Wuhan and I know how big Wuhan is. And they said that they shut down a big part of the city. I said, wow, this is serious. This is something that is going to give us a lot of trouble. So, and then my wife was asking me, what should we do? And I said, well, let's wait a little bit longer to see how this goes. And it start getting bigger and bigger in China. So we looked at the map in Southeast Asia and they say, where is this place that we can go that we are eventually able to go back to China? So our first, uh, we have a few thoughts. We have Singapore, we have Ho Chi Minh because I was there in that time and also Bali. And uh, as you can imagine, we choose Bali. It's a good place. Yeah, I think you, you did the right choice. Yes, we did. The other places you were mentioning, those are very nice places, but I cannot imagine being trapped and i'm doing air quotes here when i say trapped uh in any other place different to bali yeah you are completely right on that all right let's let's move on now and please share with us uh what how how do you keep your colombian culture alive in your daily life especially now that you live in indonesia you're you cannot be further away from colombia than where you are right now but I know that uh, I, I'm Colombian too, and I know that we are very, um, we have very deep ties ties to our countries, and I'm sure that you, you keep in touch with your roots. And I would like to know how you keep your cultural life while you're living here. Well, it's very interesting the way you have to keep your traditions. Um, first of all, I try daily to have some that um, I like to have my coffee in the morning. Um, I still have some Colombian coffee, a very good one. And I trying to have my supplies, I let's say in that way. Like I have some things from Colombia that reminds me. I like cycling a lot. So I have my bocadillos here. <laughs> I have some other uh, things that it just remind me so much my, my hometown, my, my country. And I'm, when I'm riding here in Bali or in any other uh, part of Indonesia, and then I have my bocadillos just like bring me back soon to these rides that I was doing with my friends in Duitama. 
So that's that's amazing how I I can just a simple thing here in Bali can keep me so connected with with my, my roots and my my hometown. And at the same time, uh, we love cooking with my wife. So we do a lot of arepas and uh, a lot of the, um, traditional food from my hometown, from Boyaca especially, I would say. And that's the way you are trying to keep um, your roots, your traditions, also like celebrations like uh, now the, the lighting day, for example, two days ago, we just light up some candles. Uh, we call family, video call, and yeah, you just share even if you are far away, but you just share the moment. Of course, that that's very touching. And now it's very interesting that you talk about the cycling and the bocadillos because I've we have had someone in the podcast before mentioning bocadillos and we explained what they are. Uh, for the people who haven't had the chance to hear that, uh, bocadillos are a kind of hard caramel that it's made out of guava, guava um, candy. It's like a guava candy that we have in Colombia. And it's packed with calories because it has a lot of sugar, right? And cyclists in Colombia use them as kind of a power bar when they're riding to get a fast boost of energy when, when they're getting tired. And um, I didn't even remember that uh, until right now that you were mentioning that. And it's very interesting that you mentioned that you that's one of the things that connects you with your time when you were in Duitama. Thank you for sharing that experience with us. Yeah, sure. Now that we are talking about cycling, can you share with uh, the audience a little bit about the connection between cycling and, and Boyaca? Since, well, I think Colombians are very well known in the world about uh, the cycling world, about uh, how good they are and, and how much they love cycling. And especially Boyaca, you know, we have really great cyclists. And... I think we have a, I have a beautiful connection with the sport. I love cycling. Um, I started cycling because of uh, an uncle who passed away. And he was the one who introduced me to the bicycle. And no matter where I went, like US, China, or when I was traveling in Southeast Asia, I was always cycling. It's, uh, it's the feeling of being on the bicycle. And, and uh, most of the places reminds me a lot of my hometown. It's a lot of mountains and beautiful places and the altitude. And and then you meet more people. That's the beauty. I meet more people here, not only Indonesians, a lot of foreigners also who love cycling. And yeah, you kind of stick to them. You make a group and you create a community. And then, yeah, everybody stays connected by the, by the bicycle. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think that we are very popular in, around the world because of our cyclists especially some that are from Boyaca. The most popular right now should be Nairo Quintana. And so the, one of the most popular one right now, it, it's Nairo Quintana. He was the first Colombian to win the Giro d'Italia. Now we also have from, from Boyaca, the other one, that um, Superman Lopez. And we also have another famous one. He's not from Boyaca, but from Cundinamarca, from a city called Sipaquira. Egan Bernal, who was the first Colombian to win the Tour de France, right? Correct. So yeah, I think we th those are the more recent ones. We I know I don't know much about our cycling history, but I know in the past we also had some very good cyclists. Uh, but out of the top of my mind, this is the names that I can remember right now. Thank you for sharing that with us again. Now uh, to finish today, Diego, we usually ask the guests in the podcast if they want to leave any message for the audience. But in your case, I would like to ask you if you can leave any um, advice for the Colombian people who want to start a company. And especially people who would like to start a company here in Indonesia, as you did. I remember 
once a friend told me that you only know things until you try them. You, if if you want to start your company, if you want to do something that you love, you you need to jump from the cliff. You need to have the feeling. You need to know how it feels like. Um, it's a lot of upside downs, um, a lot of doubts on the way, especially nowadays when you people want to have um, people have a lot of feelings about. They want to have a lot of money fast, and they want to be popular and well known. But it's it's just a step by step. Um, Indonesia is a friendly country that will will give you the challenge that you need to to understand where you're going or how to go there. Um, Colombians are very creative. Um, I have met people also in, in other countries, also here in Indonesia, but um, I've seen all Colombians going in the right way. Like, they all st- we all struggle, for sure. We all struggle in our own way, but in the end, I see everybody doing it, making it happen. And if you want to make it happen, just just give it a try, because that's the only way you know if it's going to work or not. Yeah, that's right. It's always better to try and fail than regret the rest of your life the things that you didn't try. Yeah, don't But don't be af- don't be afraid, man. Just just do it. Um, that's the only way you will see. And as I said before, and it's just about trying, as you said, trying and, and, and failing, um, and, and get the feeling of of doing it. The I would say in few years when when you get older and when you see yourself in the mirror and then you say, okay, I did it, I tried, and it's better to not have the feeling of what could have happened if I would have done it, but I didn't. So yeah, just just try. Indonesia is a very beautiful country. I would like to invite more people to come. Actually, the, the Juan Camilo, our ambassador, did a great thing that was uh, helping us to remove the visa. It's not available, if I'm not mistaken, yet, but it will come. And that will be amazing for Colombian people to come and, and, and see this country. And also, the beautiful people from Indonesia going to our country to see what we have, what we do, and, and how our life is there. Find the similarities that we have. But in the meantime, if it's for entrepreneurship, this country has a lot of opportunities to come and explore. Thank you very much, Diego. Thank you for that message. Thank you for joining us today in the podcast and thank you for your time. Thank you, Nicolas, for inviting me. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us in Facebook and Twitter at Indonesia. That is E-M-B-C-O-L-I-N-D-O-N-E-S-I-A. And on Instagram at Indonesia. E-M-B-C-O-I-N-D-O-N-E-S-I-A to stay in touch with us. Please share this episode and we wait to hear from you in a brand new episode of Colombia in Indonesia. Muchas gracias. Terima kasih. Colombia in Indonesia is directed and hosted by Nicolás Montoya with the support and writing of Juan Pablo Rodríguez. Music by Sebastián Valdivieso. Produced by the Embassy of Colombia in Indonesia.